welcome to the Human Design Collective podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. Mark Germain is a radical human design guide who has been working deeply with the system for over 14 years. He's a lifelong learner who studies through source materials and his own awareness and experience, offering coaching to others who are interested in the practice of living in alignment with their design. If you've explored some of the human design groups on social media, you've likely come across Mark's contributions as an active voice on Facebook and MeWe, where he enjoys sharing his insights and coming together with others through this knowledge. In today's conversation, Mark offers insight into the intuitive, instinctual authority and the freedom of living from the intelligence of the body rather than the mind. As a 3-5 splenic projector, he shares what he has learned with humor and warmth and feels like a very deep and down-to-earth friend. We drop into the conversation with Mark discussing his experience of learning about his design. I don't, I don't see anything as good and bad. I really look at it more as this and that. I really do. I don't. We're in this illusion. We all have our role, and some are more aware of that than others. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's what it is. I mean, uh, I would say the word that I would use most is reconciliation. It was really reconcile my past. Like, Don, you're intimating, like, all these different things. You know, I was a, a father, young, you know, you know, all surrounded by generators growing up, uh, in generators after that, had a kid, trying to be this person who had the capacity, the intelligence, the weather all, the talent to be in successful in the business world. And then having all, you know, as a 3-5, having all these things just coming and going and, bonds made and broken on a personal and a professional. I, it was like, you know, I always say I wore a lot of hats and a lot of shoes and I got a lot of tools in the toolbox to use from all those experiences, but it made, it helped make sense. I'm a right-minded projector trying to be left manifesting, generating manifester one day, a generator the next day, both another day, you know, and it's like, why is this not working? Why is there no sustainment? Why is there, you know, why is this not, why is this so difficult? You know, what's, what's wrong? That even followed to me when I got into a spiritual metaphysical background. Then I learned that it was very intuitive. And all of a sudden I was doing intuitive healing, like left and right and readings and groups of people just, you know, over the phone across the world and people don't even say anything. And I would just start telling them all kinds of stuff. And that was all new. And I read all these things, got very trained in a lot of system modalities, and I'm still, though, primarily not self and not happy, right? And it's like, I called it enlightened not self later on. It's kind of very enlightened, aware, and aware, can really look at things very differently, very, very cosmic in nature. And a lot of things that I thought and said were exactly what human design was saying, just in a language and a system that articulated for me perfectly. That's why the first words I heard really resonated with me right away. When I heard Ross speak on one lecture, I was like, this is it. I know this guy knows what he knows. But it still was like, I know all this stuff. I can do all this stuff. And why is this stuff still not working out? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And, it, and it's funny. And I think an important thing that Ra always said, though, is even when you're more aware or you're that passenger, doesn't mean your life is going to be any better or worse or whatever than it was. It's just how you deal with it. It's how you see it. That's the greatest gift because I don't have that pain. I don't have that anguish like that anymore. You know, I don't have that. That's gone away. And what you're describing in that process for you, was it enlightened, not self? Was it 
the connection with the body was not correct or in alignment? Is that well, part of it? It's funny is I used to teach a lot of muscle testing, applied kinesiology, all kinds of divination tools and things and way, and even techniques that I developed on my own using the body. I believe in the body intelligence well before design okay. and it knows better. And I think sometimes it works better with certain people and others. You need to be able to read the subtle energies of the body. But I could tune into people's bodies and know what they needed or not or what they were allergic to or not, you know, that kind of thing. And I could tune into my own. I think it's harder for a projector to tune into their own sometimes Mm -hmm. than others. I mean, that's we're pointed to look out, you know, not so much in. I think my process of understanding the mechanics and, you know, reconciling my past and understanding how the mechanics work was through my personal experience. I'm a three, five right angle personal view. So I can see where they worked, but connecting it to the body, to the, you know, I had to listen to the spleen. I had to really learn. I had some hard lessons with the spleen where Mm -hmm. I had to listen to it, say, stop, or don't do that. And I hear something. I mean, it might be because my my forty eight sixteen is hooked up to my throat and my mind and my forty three twenty three. I just uh, I I just know things, and you know I I can't bend my hand anymore fully like a fist. To give you an example, this one time I was at my mother's and I put a cup down and it's like I start walking away and I like my mind goes no go back and clean it, and just don't leave it there for her. Do just do this cleanness. And I go back and I hear don't. So I walk away and then I go, no, I know. I talk myself back into it. As I'm cleaning this mug, it breaks, slices my hand open here. And I needed to go to the emergency room and get stitches. And then afterwards I couldn't close it all the way. So this is one of several of these examples over the years that listening to my body and my spleen could have saved me something. But this is always a reminder that says, don't second guess what your spleen or your authority is giving you. Don't second guess what that is because it could lead to a problem. I think it's about trusting in the life. I think if you really, to me, it came to the point where, you know, Rob would say, this is not my life. And I would say, you know, I, I could see that. I, I always saw the magic before human design. And, and I could see where if you're aligning to everything as a nine-centered being, which is not about survival, that's that seven-centered dogma, that's not our trip. That's the not self world's trip. And if you really as a nine centered being surrender to what that means, you get the life that you're here to live with the least resistance, you know, or whatever that means. And you be taken care of one way or another, maybe not to what you want or what you would like, because that's the mind projecting uh, expectation, which are the devil <laughs> and really are only a cause for a lot of pain. So I always recommend people to eliminate any expectations about anything including their experience with human design and what they think they can get out of it and just let it unfold and see the beauty in it because i don't know about you guys when i first heard it was going to take seven years with uh, my open route i'm like seven and i was a theta healer i don't know if you know what theta healing is all right yeah, you I know, know. So it's about going up and changing beliefs in people. And I've done a lot of that and that was successful, but I'm like, Oh, you know what? I'll just change that and quicken. it. And I'll be done like in a year and a half. I'll make that, I'll condense that and get that working. But you know what? That's the joke, the irony, the mind, the not self mind, the open route, just trying to make something happen faster. And 
what was the ultimate truth is the process has been the gift, the trip, you know, the experience of seeing it unfold and seeing the deconditioning over the years has been a gift. That's a good reminder. I think we get so focused on what we see as the end goal. This is going to get me something or if I'm going to arrive somewhere and that may not be true. You just, yeah. Or what it, it could be better than what you thought also. So, you know, it's about what brings you success, that in, inner feeling, that, that signature, that the projector, or if you're a generator satisfaction, if you're a manifestor piece or a reflector surprise or whatever it is, there's some debate about the reflectors of what they're feeling in that sense, uh, wonderment or whatever it may be that they get as their signature. But for me, it's, it's, it's like, does it bring me that success? And I think what, that is for me is by helping guide others. I don't know, John, you might have saw my uh, post. I don't know if you did or not on MeWe. And I, might, I think I posted on Facebook too, where I, I, I really said that I don't really get to be me unless I have another person that I'm guiding or helping. I can relate and, to that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, otherwise it's killing time or you're enjoying this, or you're doing that, you're mastering whatever it is you're st you know, studying. I'm always busy with human design, you know, in and out, or I'm watching a movie or something like that, enjoying life. But without that other and really connecting on what's important to me and helping guide people, there really isn't, there isn't a me, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't know if you experienced that yourself in some way. It reminds me of something that Amy had shared where there was a recent period where she was going through a lot of transitions and kind of things were all over the place, but she had a bunch of sessions booked. I don't know why I'm telling your story, Amy, but I'll let you jump. Go for it. <laughs> this will be interesting. What I heard from Amy was when she finally got back to work doing foundation readings or working with people that it just brought everything back and, and was a type of grounding in itself and mm -hmm. in, in, in her experience. Is that along the lines of what you were saying? Yeah, I, I you know, I'm a hope person, so I'm a hope motivator, right? So if I'm helping somebody and they're more hopeful and you can sense they're more hopeful, they say they're more hopeful, they're more encouraged about what's going on, then I have that sense of success in that exchange, right? That, that's good. I'm filled more hope. They're more hope. There's a lot more hope, you know, and, and that brings that purpose of the projector being a guide for the other to fulfill that purpose on a micro level, but that emanates outward. That's, you know, what if you didn't have that? What would that be like? Whatever amount that is needed at any given time, because that may fluctuate. You may have more than less or more or less, you know, it, it may fluctuate, but do you have enough? You know, is there enough mm -hmm. to meet whatever necessary requirement it is for you to have that fulfilling sense of success and that you have you're living that signature you, or you're living that motivation of where you're hopeful instead of, you know, not. And mm -hmm. you guys are. I'm guilt. John, you're a hoper too? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. You're a uh, theist. I'm an anti-theist. Oh, if you'll see me sometimes close my eyes and get into, because I'm meditation on, uh, on the motivation side. And closing eyes is really where you can get really in touch with something and get deeper and share it outwardly that way. And I can't read my own little thing. Oh, you're, was that six you are on the tone? Yeah, I'm six. Yeah, I'm guilt. Oh, you're guilt. Oh. I see, I can't, this printout's a little bad. I couldn't read it. 
Oh, you're a five. All right. So you're five one and okay. Yeah. Guilt. So you're, you can fix things when corrected, you know, but it's, it's different though. Mm -hmm. It's still mm -hmm. about strategy and authority. It's still, it still comes down to correctness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what you're saying though. I can think of, and when I first started working with human design, I gathered together with a group of projectors and who were close friends of mine. And I had ended up gathering a lot of naturally gathering a lot of projectors around me. My birth family was all projectors. And what we discovered was that whenever any of us got too isolated or too much in our own heads, looking at ourselves, we'd get really spun out and destabilized. And when we could come together and focus on each other, kind of like what you guys have been saying and have a process to guide or just have someone else to focus on who was wanting that attention, that there's something really just grounding about it and mm. focusing about it in a way that then all the other chaos just kind of, this is kind of what you were saying about me, John, then all the other chaos, it just kind of gets smaller. It feels more like, okay, well, I'll work out those pieces as I need to, but it's a real grounding force, I find, to be able to focus on others. That sounds, that's a good way, a word to use a grounding force. It's like your own microclimate that is mm -hmm. really conducive to, uh, to who you are, right? Mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. like you create your own little space, a pocket, a space where you could be you in that sense. And everything else mm -hmm. goes by the wayside. Yeah, it's kind of, it's uh, mm -hmm. kind of nice that way. It, because, you know, I mean, it's not like life is you can go walk in the woods or you can go do this or that. It's not that it's bad or anything. You know, you could talk about stuff that's in the world or whatever. It doesn't have the same weight for me that, you know, having a nice conversation like this does. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're talking about something that's, you know, more in, in line with I, what I find captivating or, you know, fulfilling. Uh, is talking about these kinds of things. You don't get that a lot in the world. And then you have to be able to talk to people at a certain level, especially mechanically maybe, uh, that takes it to another stratosphere in a sense in order to really, you know, get that exchange. But it can happen on a simple way too. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be. Well, I de we definitely want to talk with you more about the projector experience because I think you're the first projector guest we've had on the podcast in a while. So we're excited to talk about that, but I feel really drawn to your spleen because we also haven't, I don't think we've talked with anybody who has splenic authority. So for anybody out there who might be curious about what is it like to live with splenic authority as the guiding inner force within you, um, I'd love to hear about what that experience is like for you. Well, this 2551 who's usually first and a lot of things just happens that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's a good piece too. And it's just, it's the matter of fact, it's just the way it happens and unfolds naturally. But um, I kind of touched on some of it before, but again, I wasn't very intuitive prior to any knowing what my authority was. It is a small voice. It is a small moment in here that, you know, you can feel it in the body. Uh, it's a kind of sensation, a visceral like lightness or tightness in the body, more of the the solar plexus area, maybe, where you can really feel it, where it would light up or not. You know, where you your body kind of moves away or not, it goes forward. But I also hear it. So there's things I just hear that say yes to something or no to something. You know, usually it could be either one, but there's more no's than a yes because 
there's just more things to say no to than there are to say yes to. It, it's something that you have to pay attention to because it's something that your mind can really easily overpower. The mind also will look for reasons. So even if you get a splenic hit and you, you have that intuitive hit that says to do something or not do something, the mind will want potentially early on, I can speak from my own process, you know, your mind wants to like find a reason and it'll have this little back and forth discussion as to the merits of what this intuitive hit is giving you. It's like mental ping pong, it capitulates back and forth. And it's about just trusting, learning how to trust that initial hit no matter what and not needing a reason. That's a big point that I stress. It doesn't matter what my spleen says. I don't care. Don't care. Literally don't care. I just do it. I've learned to trust. And I just know that whatever mental uh, reason I can think, even why after the fact, it doesn't mean it's even accurate, why that may have happened. I can see the pattern in it or why it was serendipitous or why it was good why that it doesn't even matter because that might not even be told the total picture because the the spleen just it's you know it's part of on the logic side and you're looking and that's how i'm hooked up and it's about patterns in the you know in the future and it's about physical well-being and about instinct you know survival and physical survival in your environment my finger and there's a couple of stories with that <laughs> i did have one time when i was skating in um in santa monica when i lived in california I was going really fast up and down the uh, the trail along the beach. And all of a sudden I heard, slow down, right? I hear something. And then I'm like, why? I'm looking out in front of me. There's nothing to go. Just a little down and skate a little more. There's this interesting intersection that is like unique to the whole 12 miles of beach that this other path comes in. All of a sudden there's people on everywhere and there's nowhere for me to go. This 6'2", 230-pound guy big guy coming down and there's nowhere for me to go. And I end up like trying to side dance, cook a crack. And I land in the middle, thank God, and this, of the sidewalk, there's sand in the middle. And I crushed on my chest and I was like, <clears throat> someone's like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like barely breathing. And should we call the die? And it's like, no, I'm all right. But you know, it, I didn't listen again because I couldn't see what the spleen saw. It's in the future. We'll break a pattern just to illuminate an issue that is coming your way, if that makes sense. And so instead of like arguing, why am I need to slow down? There's nothing there. I should have just slowed down. So that's another lesson as this three, five learned from experience and discovered from trial and error was when you hear slow down, slow down. Don't ask why, just do. And I'll say long before humans, long even before I was into metaphysics and all that stuff, I remember driving, uh, I had to drive work early, like 5.30 in the morning, had a long commute from out on the island into Brooklyn. And I had to go through this stretch of uh, pine forests, pine barrens. And I normally go to the 7-Eleven, get my coffee, throw on my music, blast the music, drink my coffee, and for some reason, on this only day, never before and never after, on this day, I didn't drink my coffee, didn't listen to music, and I was driving 10 and 2. All of a sudden, this huge deer jumps in front of me. 
I was able to stop literally an inch from the grill, from the deer in the grill. And then like 10 more deer just came right after this big buck, huge buck corns. And, and that was just something I wasn't even conscious of, wasn't even aware of. I was watching my body kind of do something different in a way. And it saved me or it saved the car. At least it saved the deer. Certainly it might have saved us all. And that just happened naturally. So it can work that way. Also, it doesn't necessarily need to tell you something. It, it might just be a natural attunement that makes sense. Otherwise, I think, you know, if you look at the solar plexus, solar plexus, people need time, right? They need time to process. That's the mirror image of the spleen. So what do, what do solar plexus people do? They're not here to be spontaneous. So what do they do? They act spontaneously. They make a decision in the moment. Meanwhile, the splenic people are here to make a decision in the moment and they capitulate and play mind games and mental ping pong and mental gymnastics to see why they should do it instead of just doing it in the moment. That's the juxtaposition of these two authorities mirroring each other on either side. And when you're not self, you're doing the opposite, you know, or you're not in that moment of not selfness, at least, you know, you're not listening. So I, I just learned to trust and listen and just hear it and then surrender to it and just do what it says. I, again, I don't care why. Because it doesn't matter. You go to the right place, you'll be the right people, the right time, whatever this is, you'll be safe, whatever it is that it leads you to. That's been my experience. What you're sharing here really points to the deep intelligence of the body that goes so far beyond like what our minds can yeah. make sense of or comprehend. And you know, from the point of view of human design, the mind's not it's not actually for making those type of decisions in life or navigating the life through, through our mental processes. And you've got like, on the other hand, you've got the body and the spleen, which is something that's been evolving for however long. I mean, it is the navigation mechanism that is supposed to take us through this life and keep us safe and protect us. Yeah. You know, obviously anyone who has a defined has a consistency in that. And when you're undefined or open, you have an inconsistency, but it doesn't mean it's not there. It's just not one's authority. It's not something that's consistent on there. So there's a difference. It's a nuance. You know, being splenic and right in the moment, I often hear like, no, don't do that, you know, or no, not doing it would be, you know, it's almost like I hear an opposite sometimes. It's like not doing it would be a mistake. It's like, it's weird how that is. It's like, it, it just is a funny thing, but I just trust, I can just hear it. And, you know, and I'm a knower too. So there's, Depending on certain things I hear, I just know things about people, other things, things in life. Just I just hear it. I just I just know it. You say a question, I can hear the answer. I, you know, like when I'm working with a generator, if I if I hear them going, to, I can hear them going to their mind before their gut. I get that. I can just sense it. I feel it. I know it. It's just there. Just part of just how I can know it. I, and I and I work with people like that, and I could just now you, you went to your mind first. <laughs> I don't know how I segued into that, but just uh, that does something uh, I always find interesting. It's kind of splenic, but it's in the moments, the now, and it's being able to get, judge something in a way that you see in that frame, whether it's being, you can hear it or not, I don't know, at least for me, that's how I'm wired. You're giving us such great examples of this, the raw splenic intelligence of the body. And I love the example you're giving of when it, when it can happen without even your conscious yeah. interaction with it like you the story with the deer 
I'm wondering about the aspect of the spleen that also has to do with security and with relationship, how you experience that play out in terms of bonding or relationship. Yeah, I mean, either something's correct or it's not. I mean, you get, you know, you see the correct to be in the relationship and for whatever that brings. See, this is the thing, you know, especially as a 3-5, you get to discover so much about life, at least my life. I can say I've experienced so much different kinds of things in the business world, in the metaphysical world, spiritual world, and life with all kinds of different people and many different relationships. I was married, had a kid. I've been in committed relationships. I'm in a committed relationship. They bring different things, but I, it's almost like it's a discovery process about self, about the other. Because I, I look at it more abstractly. You know, you know mm-hmm. I'm a 64, 47. I look at life abstractly also. Mm-hmm. Not as, also logically, which human design lines up beautifully, but I look at life in more of a grander cosmic perspective, big picture. And so I kind of look at life as like, all right, you're with this person. What, you know, what are these things that you're learning from each other? You know, it's not just, you know, all the normal seven-centered stuff that you do. There's that. There's always that. But it's also about, all right, what am I learning? What is my, my experience here? You learn more about the mechanics when you're intimately around them. <laughs> You know, if you're teaching mechanics and helping guide people with mechanics, you know, as much firsthand experience is uh, is definitely helpful at times. I mean, I've the emotional system. I've certainly explored that 59.6 channel numerous times, generators, projectors, and there's some others I don't know. I think in that relationship, in that experience, you really get to see life in that context and see where you're at and see where they're at and see where life's at. And, you know, there's no blame, no shame. That's beautiful thing about design. I love that. There's no blame, no shame. It's just mechanics. Mm -hmm. And I see that so clearly. I've seen, you know, it's, it's, it took time to get to that place where you really can accept it, but it's become clear over the years that there's no, there's no blame in it. I mean, I, you can't blame anybody. I don't, I look at the world. All I see is the program working. I see the not self doing it. You know, the people, you know, are sometimes self, mostly not self. You want to flip the script to, you know, cause you're never going to get rid of the not self. So it's like that 80, 20 rule, you know, all right. 20% self, 80% not self. Well, let's flip it around, you know, <laughs> some ratio that way, you know, cause it, it's part of, you know, you can't get out of it. Uh, it's just about being something more than something you're not. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been my my experience is being able to see me through this process, being myself regardless of different situations and being true to myself regardless of situations as best as I can. And I think, I, you know, it's it's been pretty good being true to myself, even to where people might not like it, being steadfast and being true to yourself. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't like that you probably both experienced it plenty of times where you're being true to yourself and you know you hey your authority says no <laughs> to something and like what do you mean no you know and it's like yeah be, it's you, a no it's a no you no know, you, you got to follow your strategy or at least you know i don't know if it's you're really following it as much as you're experiencing life through your strategy and authority or you're not self 
Because as a passenger, do we really have a choice? I don't really see it that way. Yeah. It's more about raising your awareness and raising your seeing. So you, you're, you're, you're way more aware consciousness that you can bring back to the totality. I guess I do see it that way that I really have no choice in that, but am I experiencing life as self or not self? That's the way I look at it. And so that's one thing that I do to help people, especially projectors. I work with a lot of projectors as well as generators, but a lot of projectors. And I think that's, it's seeing and then awareness and seeing from that neutral place as much as possible to see from the mechanics. There's no blame or shame. It's just mechanics. To be able to just see life that way and being able to uh, maybe share some of that big picture context of what design does offer to put the life in is helpful to the mind because that's the way it can heal the mind. And I think that's what John, you were talking about earlier too, about your experience is you think there's something wrong with you. Yeah. That's what I felt as much as I knew, even I was like, what's going on here? I mean, I, you know, you know, who knew I was a light not self, but that was my trip too. It's like, hold on here. I'm doing this and that. And I'm like, this should be seeing things better. But it's again, that expectations of what you think life should be that seven centered conditioning of the homogenized world and the way the program works. You know, the vast majority of people are not self. That's it. It's not a blame. It's it's not something bad or not something good. It just is what it is. Yeah. You mentioned that you, you do a lot of work with projectors. Uh, let's see. What are some of the challenges that you see projectors have in today's world? You know, well, a lot we already kind of talked about somewhat you, the expectation that you're here to work. They have to make things happen that most of the people around you won't know HD. So you, even if you're learning HD or you're becoming more, fluent and and what it, and understanding what it means to to live that actual life around other people who don't get it you know a lot of people are afraid of change so they they fear change in the other really what does that mean to them and their relationship to that other so they don't like it mm -hmm. um, and you have to deal with that so it's really about whether it in your process where it's time that you it's correct to commit to being that and, and I was sharing that in a, a post earlier today. It's kind of like for projectors, it's such a radical approach that, you know, Rod said, you, you, for a projector, you really have to be radical. There's no half projectors. You know, I always tell people on human design pages on Facebook, everyone's born with a design. It doesn't mean they're living their design or they're living the traits of their design. It doesn't mean they're living correctly as a generator, as a projector, as a manifester. They have a design of one. There's the potential of it. It shows up sometimes so that when they hear what it is to be one, they could say, yeah, yeah that's true. That worked. Right. I remember being recognized, invited to things, and I got a lot of success. And most of the other times when it didn't happen, I tried to make it happen there. There's no energy. I ended up quitting or whatever it may be. There was no success. There was a lot of failure. And so for projectors, they have to understand that they're just a very different type of person. And it's okay. We're here to, we have a specific role. <clears throat> we're here to guide. Uh, we're here to, you know, not do like a, a generator or make things happen like a manifester, but we can work somewhat at times when invited and correct like a generator, or we can manifest correct when invited to produce something when it's correct, but it's not about initiating it out of the mind. It's about really just following the strategy and authority. 
you know, or allowing life to follow strat through strategy and authority, whatever <laughs> way you want to look at it. It's still strategy and authority, one way or another, or not. The other key would be to understand where one's being conditioned, where one is not and where one is. And we're the only type that's actually technically here to be conditioned on purpose. So that tells you something right away, right? If we're the only type that's really here to deal with conditioning, it's because we need to know how to deal with it so we know how to guide it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm again, I'm a 3-5, so I learned a lot of things that were not correct to do in this life for a projector, a right-minded projector, you know, trying to be a left life, trying to make things happen again. It's just like the experiential way, you know, from the 41 to the 30 to the 36 to the... 35, you know, everyone says, oh, if we do this, do this, this, and this, we'll get this. <laughs> and then gate 30, the gate of fates, you know, 30, so I have a 30. <laughs> 30 line three, so it matches good with my third line profile. You know, resignation is what it is. But when you're trying to do something and it doesn't work out and you get, life throws you a, a, a deviation to your think your thought process of how it should work the way the world says it should work and it doesn't it's like you think something's wrong with you you know and i can't stress this enough to people that we really are in a dense maya of conditioning mm -hmm. program and if anyone's listening and you have the uh the godhead program which is uh what is it quarter by quarter i highly recommend that just to see from a macro level how we're being conditioned and why you could see and mechanically from a bigger construct why all these people are doing what they're doing. And then on a micro level, individual on the surface area, you know, surface mechanics, individually in groups and the wah, the pentaconsciousness, all that really, all these things bombard us sleeping, you know, all these things that bombard us to be something we're not. So I would say for a projector, they need to be aware of all these conditionings and most importantly too, is where they're here to be recognized for their channels, you know, their definition, also the areas of where they go to school and where they could be wise about life and their openness. But I would say, so where the strengths and weaknesses are, find your yin and yang. I think that can help really put the, the projector mindset in a way that can help it see, because we need the details. We need to know how it works. I mean, we're the intellectual types. Sorry, everyone else. That's what Rod's words. But I agree with them. <laughs> Not that there aren't, there aren't any intellectual generators or manifestors. Of course there are. It's just that we are here to study. We're here to look at the detail. We are here to understand nuance, whatever context that may be. So if we're here talking about human design and life and living life as a projector, we need the details. We need the details so we could see it in the other. We could see it. Like myself, I see it in myself, but I use what I see in myself not to look at myself, but to see, to reinforce my truth so that I can see, well, I've seen the mechanics work in my own life. I've seen them work with them. I've seen them work with her. You know, they work. Now, you just have to see that they work or not. So I, that's what I would say is for projectors to really understand their conditioning, understanding who they are, uh, where their definition is. And also, most importantly, is their distraction and, and their transference. Know what their view is to know what their, to know what their motivation is. 
And even the other side, even if the other side, just knowing how you digest life, not just food in your PHS, how you take in life best, you know, as a metaphor, uh, and also the environment could be broken down also metaphorically also. So even if it's something that's not happening in, in a particular place, you can look at it from that place. So um, I would say if you understand the four transformations, at least from that kind of construct, that could be beneficial. But certainly, I would say view, perspective, and motivation in terms of distraction and transference, how you see. Again, it's how you see and how you not see. The duality, you're conditioned, you're not conditioned. I don't know if that rings true for you, if you would agree on that or, or mm-hmm. add stuff or subtract. <laughs> no, I think it, it's been hugely important to me. I love what you're saying about how you know some teachers have said we're, we're here as projectors to become masters of conditioning. And like you're saying, a huge part of our learning in life and a huge part of how we can be aware, deeply aware of others is because of the depth to which we are conditioned by the people around us. So that was a huge shift for me to see that as a gift and not a deficit in my life. Mm -hmm. I think it's a shifting of that mindset too, to Mm -hmm. see it. Because when you first learn you're a projector, there's also all the great, but then there's like, you know, a lot of projectors like, oh shit, I'm a projector. This sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? This really sucks in a way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think by educating the, the mind, that's how, you know, Ross said, you know, you follow your strategy and authority, but if you really want to heal the mind, it's through learning, it's through understanding these things. Mm-hmm. And for a projector, they're here for their mind. They're here for their guidance. You know, they're here to direct and guide. They're not here, you know, the irony, I'm a fifth line body. I mean, I'm a big guy, strong, I used to lift. I mean, I, you know, the iron, but I'm not here for that. You know, so I'm here for this. You know, that's the, that's the joke. So when people see me, they oh, they're a big guy, but it's like, that's the irony. You know, mm-hmm. fifth lines, they always live in the irony. That's the one, one way to help you uh, navigate life. And that is another code. We're talking about the human experiential way. I don't know if you guys are familiar with I think it was in the format lectures too with it. This came up, which are highly very recommended out there, people. The format lectures are great lectures. Well, you know, it's funny talking about relationships. I was in a relationship with somebody and she said, This is my metaphysical years, and she goes, I don't know why, but I'm always competitive around you. You know, it is a direct quote, you know, and uh it's true. It just it, you don't have to be doing anything, it just happens. It's just mm-hmm. there. That ego, twenty five fifty one, right, John? Oh yeah, I've done martial arts for about twenty years, and one of the things I noticed doing martial arts is jujitsu, is I'd be training like at a certain intensity, want to kind of keep things chill. I'm tired. I'm a projector. I don't want to go too hard. And guys would come at me, and they would they would escalate and come at me hard and and strong, and I would be like, what am I doing to to bring this on? I don't. I'm not asking for this. But it's just like you're saying, it's mechanics. It actually became a big theme is like, how do I keep things cool and kind of de-escalate because these guys are going to come at me strong? Yeah, totally agree. You know, the distorted 2551 can be overly competitive or an ego could be too egoic. So, you know, there's a definitely an unhealthy defined ego. But there is a certain level of swag or confidence or something that may, you know, you can get, it's definitely a different frequency, you know, than an undefined or open ego is, they just don't have that. 
But you know, what's funny is my son is a generator has undefined uh, solar plexus, but in his process over the years, he was very competitive in basketball. He'd be the guy like always trying to win the game, diving on the ball, you know, trying his hardest. And now, you know, and he is the right environment. And it's kind of like I, over the years trying to just instill in him just to relax, you know, and, and not be as competitive. Uh, Michael Jordan, who's considered the most competitive person in the NBA, is the undefined ego. He's total amplification, not self. And if you actually watch this series, which was interesting, he was really conditioned as a kid to be very competitive in the re- remarks from his dad and his brother and, and how they raised their family. You could see where that open ego and that competition was really instilled and conditioned into him to where it came out of his adult in an unhealthy way, you know, in a not-self way. So there's a definite distinction between a healthy, undefined, open, and even a, a healthy or unhealthy defined ego. You know, yeah. it can be too much. You would go, it could be trying to say, hey, hey, look at me too. That's a, it's a projected channel. So, you know, you're also saying, hey, look at me. I won. <laughs> right. I came in first again. <laughs> Suckers. No, you know, it's like. Right. Uh, you got to laugh because if you don't laugh at life, what else? I mean, come on, you can't laugh at yourself. That's a seven centered being can't laugh at themselves. They take seven, everything very serious. Yeah. You got to laugh at life, laugh yeah. at yourself. On the topic of the defined ego, I think I was just saying to someone the other day that maybe I was saying to Amy, like, do you ever just get tired of yourself? Like I look at my, sometimes my ego and what it just naturally expresses from it. And it's almost like cartoonish. I'm like, Really, it's you're going to put it out just like that, but it's what you're saying, kind of healthy to keep this kind of sense of humor, this hold this thing lightly and not take everything so yeah. freaking serious all the time. You can if you can laugh at your own ego, being that that bravado ego or whatever it's doing, cartoonish. If you can laugh at it, and if the other person can laugh at it, I think that's important. I think if like if Amy couldn't laugh at it or didn't know about it, that's where the problem comes from. You know, when you're in a relationship, that's where the issue could be. The challenge can be if you're not aware that's just mechanics, no blame in that. John can't help. Mark can't help himself being a defined ego being. It is what the, it's who they are. Amy doesn't have anything to prove. Nothing, you know, nothing. You know, Ra had a saying, he did a bunch of reading, then he had a saying with people. He's like, you know, you get a free pass in life. You really do. The undefined ego. There's nothing to prove. Not to anyone, not to yourself, not to anyone. You get a free pass. And then since most of the people who are out there are undefined, what, 65% or so, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so most of the people who are listening to this and they have an undefined ego, you don't have anything to prove. You know, if you can surrender to that truth and let the ego beings be the ego beings and you guys be, you guys are, you know, everyone knows their role and there's no bad or better or worse. It's just this and that. It's just this and that. That's all it is. Yeah. And people can understand that. Then we can get along. We can have a communication. We can have a nine centered life. You know, Yeah. it's not judgment or bad or good or better or worse, or, you know, I'm winning or you're losing. It's not about that. You know, it's not, it's not about that. Yeah. You know, it can get like that. Yeah. <laughs> this is touching on something that Amy and I have been looking at recently. And it's that, you normally when you start learning about human design, you learn about the openness and the not self, all the focus tends to get put on 
the open centers, the open gates, perhaps being, being the problem or the issue. But one of the things that we've seen is there's also a distortion of the definition that can happen through the openness, through the open centers, but then you, you get these kind of distortions of what could be correct or of the design. Is that something that you've seen or do you? Yeah, no, like, we're just saying like the defined ego can be too ego. You know, it's about commitment. It's a motor to commitment. You can maybe overcommit. You know, you could say yes or so. You know, you can, it, it depends. It's a frequency, you know. It, it, you know when it's clean and when it's not, you know. That's the thing. So whether you're defined or undefined, you know, there's a frequency to it. You know, undefined or open, you, you know, it's like a window. It's a, well, it's definitely open when there's no hanging gates. And it's clean. I mean, you really get to see everything. And then if you have hanging, then it flavors it. But in definition, you know, you you can be too much of something or distort it one way or another, very much so. I mean, even a, a defined ajna, you know, an undefined ajna is making sure they're certain. You know, defined ajna could be overly certain or not, you know, be certain in the wrong way. <laughs> doesn't mean, you know, there's, there's things that it, it just, it's not so crystal clear either or. I mean, there's nuance. Everything has nuance to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you can see it very, very clearly, though, especially if you think about ego-defined projectors. And I love just looking at the really simple, I mean, I love the, the deep and the details, but I also love the, just the experience of, of mm-hmm. really simple surface-level stuff. So if you look at an ego-defined projector with an open sacral center, if you look at that just that simple theme of the open sacral center, not knowing when enough is enough, not knowing when it's time to stop competing, Stop pushing so hard. Stop trying so hard. It's time to rest. Let go. Stop. That's probably the biggest thing for projectors that sacral, that, you know, not knowing when mm-hmm. to say when mm-hmm. and can control all kinds of other things. Well, we all have open roots also and open plexus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you really can feel the world in the open root. At least I can. I mean, that's where I experienced the, the busyness of, of life. It's true that these things can influence the definition openness and where you're being conditioned can distort the definition yes so it's i always say everything's a frequency so you have your own radio dial either you can turn right in tune it fine tune it comes in crystal clear digital five by five all the way out you know or it's you know so it is what it is i think with time you get more refined but it doesn't mean there's situations and environments and peoples and places that might impact you in a in a not self way no matter how self you are. Because if you're in a group, an Penta or in a WA situation, you lose some of yourself automatically anyway. You're doing things that you wouldn't normally do. You know, that's another context that I think people don't look at as much. Maybe they're not as aware to look at as much, how much influence a Penta or the WA have on your individual behavior yeah. and how much lack of control you have over being yourself, how much you lose yourself. Like when people say in a group, I would never do that. Well, you wouldn't probably do it alone, but in a group, you get that group mentality, whatever that wob represented energetically, and it made you do something you normally wouldn't do. And you see it in the news all the time. So that's where you can get distorted too. And that's probably why, you know, there's not a lot of hope for the world in terms of really going anywhere in a profound way. I always leave out space for that and hope for some kind of change, but I'm a realist too. And I can see how the program works and that ain't going to happen. So you're dealing with a lot of conditioning. So that's why 
a lot of things can distort you to being something you're not. It's, it, it becomes so easy to see after a while. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I just, I just see it. Like I look, just look around at people. It just, it just oozes out of them. It just is. It's all good though. I mean, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Surrender. It does seem like a frequency thing. Like you were saying more and more, I'm finding that I'm being kind of attracted or drawn towards a certain clean frequency, like you just said, or there's a certain taste to the energy that I'm taking on. And that other feels good where there's becoming more of a, a larger discrepancy between what would have been attractive or acceptable to me before and now, and maybe because I'm just continuing to align and decondition. And then at a certain point, you're just like, I, I don't want that anymore. I don't want to take that on. It feels compromising in a energetically or on a frequency level. I, I agree. The only thing I would caution to, because I'm not a big believer in want or like, that's a, a roadway to the mind. <laughs> in those situations, like for me, I, the way I look at it is like, all right, is it correct for me to be here or not correct for me to be here? Mm-hmm. If it's correct for me to be here, I have to deal with whatever that is, right. you know, even if I don't like it. I'd rather be in conversations like we're having here than maybe other conversations that are not about these kinds of things, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of human design people in my physical proximity that I can go spend time with and talk at my other half or to do degree. And I have my son who we have really great conversations with. He's 28 now and uh, been really in his process more or less seven years or so, eight years. And it's really made a fundamental change in him, but he's at a place where I can have these kinds of really good talks where I can, where we mentioned that exchange before where you have that other, that you, you can get your fulfillment of being you, you know, that's one outlet. Thank God for the internet. I love Facebook for that reason. I made a lot of friends and met people in person and things through human design and clients and things like that through through Facebook and human design groups on Facebook. Those things are great. But how often do you get to do that in person? That's the thing. Right. There's not that many of us. Can I ask you a little more about relationship? There's something that's striking me. A couple of things. One is... I'll throw them both at you and you can see where you want to go. But John and I are both single definition mm-hmm. in our designs. So the, the defined centers we have are connected to each other. And yeah. for you, you have a single split definition. And I'm always curious to get to hear because I talk about these things all the time in working with people. And I'm always excited to get to hear from inside the experience what that split, single split definition for you is like. So in that, a relationship or overall? Both. I'm actually really curious about what it's like for you when you're alone. And then also what happens when you get into relationship, how that shifts. And then there's the self versus not self side of it. Yes. um, Yeah. It's a deep, it's a deep topic. Because it's, I think I I always say life is context. You know, everything's about context. So Mm -hmm. I have three bridge gates. I have the uh, seven, one and 45 that, it hooks up my G that's the 2551 part to my throat, which is also my spleen, throat, Ajna head mm-hmm. connected to 4816, 43, 23, 64, 47. Mm-hmm. So that was always something that was a lot of pressure 
the first gate looking at this, if I only had a role where I could be a voice of influence, you know, where I, you know, I could be the leader that can make an impact and guide others. The first gate with gate eight, I have con the gate of contribution. You know, where can I make a creative contribution? Where can I be a unique role model in that sense of being that voice that can contribute uh, in my individual contribution, individual uniqueness to the other, to empower the other. Where the 45, where if I only had, you know, it's always a question as a not self. If I only had the resources, the money, then I can be in control of my life. I can have the material success where I can then take care of the tribe or people that I love, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, those, so those are, those are things where your mind is working and going towards trying to fulfill, you know, the 45 really, you know, wants to be heard. I want to have, you know, I want to have, you know, have or have not, you know, it's like, I want to, re and it's generous. It's a generous gate. So, Hey, if I got the resources, I'll be generous. Trust me. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, that's the mind plane. So what, it, what does that do? It makes you make decisions to initiate, to work towards or, uh, or to define work, to be that super slave or there where you can be that, those things that you think you're lacking. Now, obviously, they're not lacks. They're actually opportunities to learn who are good in roles or creative or who are good leaders of resources and education and stuff like that. Um, and, and those things actually do come eventually by just living. Eventually those things get, it's not about, it's not about letting them control you and making decisions from that. Now I'm been in relationships and one currently where they bridge that the seven, the one, and they're a wide split. And I bridge the wide split. So we're, we're eight and one single definition, you know, and I've been in other relationships where I've been in that, where the other person was a triple split and that's different because they didn't like inevitably didn't never like getting smothered. And they've been in two relationships since then. I've talked to them and that's something that's always been an issue for them. So all the, and, and that's a triple split. So the wide split, though, is an interesting thing because as non-self, that is probably one of the most difficult things to deal with because it's, it, you know, it's, it's not always when they're being in that not-self state, it's not about um, them. It's about everyone else, you know. Mm -hmm. So that can come up. And for me, you know, as, with those single gates, it's more about me. What's, if that was the issue in my past, mm -hmm. it, was, it would be more about what was my problem. So when you combine charts and they hook up well, there can be a sense of comfort in that. There's a certain solidity to it. You know, there's a certain wholeness to it, whatever that may be in anyone's unique situation, because they are different and how that gets expressed. It depends on where people are at in their process. It certainly made a difference for me being more aware than when I wasn't. So that to me is you know, important context to also see a life in. Mm -hmm. And and also, is it, if it's correct to enter in that relationship, it is what it is. It may not be the picket fence with the house and, uh, you know, the, that whole dream world of all the whatever that is that the world puts out there as a, as a, a goal for people to do in a relationship. I tried to live that goal. And, you know, as I said, that was not something that was for me, 
I mean, it just wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't, hasn't been something for me in that way. Like it does for a lot of people I know personally, that I grew up with or friends with back in the yeah. day. I don't know if that's answering your question yeah. enough. Yeah. You know, you are, you bridge your split and you don't do it in a compromise. So, you know, I don't know what your experience is with, you know, two single definitions are, are great being apart and, you know, being separate. You don't necessarily need the other versus then you come together, but you come together in a way that is bridging your, you know, into this one flow of beingness. You know, you always create a third person. So uh, what's that third person like? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of feel like that's, that's the biggest gift of human design in terms of relationship where we all get fed so much about what the ideal relationship is or what a good relationship is about. And it's fascinating to me to get to see each of us as individuals are this unique, never before seen creature. And then you get a relationship together and it's this third entity, which is also this unique, never before seen creature. And if we're trying to impose on both ourselves and the relationship entity that there's some way it's supposed to be. And if we just try hard enough, we can force it into some kind of shape or form. We never get to discover or actually see the thing that the unique thing that it is. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. It's like going in and shoveling a bunch of stuff on top of something before you even know what it is. Yeah, and I think that's that expectations that, you know, Mm -hmm. if you let go of any expectations, it always frees the mind because you're always setting yourself up for some kind of mental dilemma because it's never going to meet what you think it should be. And we've been trained and conditioned to think things should look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when they don't, we go, why? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with us? You know, what's wrong with us? Yeah. No, but we the split to understand yes. the mechanics. Yes, yeah. And it's like the split that you're talking about, it seems the same to me in relationship where if you don't know the mechanics and you don't see what that is, like you were talking about in your own design, then the mind can just get obsessed with what's missing and what's wrong. And I think the same thing happens so much in relationship. We just if we don't see it for what it is and let it be what it is then we often just get obsessed with what's missing and what's wrong. And exactly. And kind of beside the whole point, mm-hmm. beside the whole point altogether. And, and then in the meantime, we're missing out on the, the beauty and uniqueness of what it, of well, what it mind, could be as it is. The mind will always do its thing. You're never going to escape mind. No matter how self you are, mind's still going to bop, 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 as Rock called them, the petty tyrant, right? The, the yep. mind's the petty tyrant. Right. My son gave it a, his a name, Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. <laughs> the lawyer from uh, Seinfeld, I don't know. He, he hears him now. And he's like, yeah, I gave him a name because I don't want to listen to him. <laughs> he's like, he wants to listen to his gut. But, you know, our mind, will always, our, our mind will always do these things, even when we're self. But it's about are you acting on that? Do you see it for what it is? Can you laugh at it? You know, that's the thing. I think if you can, you know, where any relationship would struggle, whether it's with oneself or with another, is their inability to laugh or taking it too serious. And, and I say that it's probably easy to say now because of what I know, 
what I've experienced. And if you're new to it or you haven't been exposed to it, it's easier said than done. But at least, you know, this is the one thing that I was, when I was an intuitive, I was even saying just before design, when I got introduced to designs, like I loved helping people, but I wish there was some tangible thing I can give them. So I didn't, you know, I wouldn't have to, to say stuff and they have to rely on me when I'm saying, sharing my, you know, what turns out my outer authority, whatever is coming out of me. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was great stuff and everything, but I was wish there was something tangible. Well, then you got, you got a chart, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you got it. You got your mechanics. You got a way now to reconcile everything and to see things for what they are, learn about it, laugh at it, no blame, no shame, just, you know, to be gentle and kind to yourself as much, even though I don't have the, uh, the 57th gate, I, I got to learn just to be nice and kind to myself, the gentle, yeah. you know, I got to, because life is too serious out there. Mm-hmm. And this is the, this is the beauty of this knowledge and to live this knowledge is just to accept what is, you know, uh, you know, I, I have 30 line three, which is uh, the gate of resignation and Ross said, this is all, this is what I was getting at. See, it comes back. Mm-hmm. To really protect one spirit, he said, if you're living your life correctly, thriving authority, according to, you know, you type and everything, you listening to your authority and you're following, that's what's going on. One way to protect your spirit is you take all the gates of the 30th gate, all the lines of the 30th gate, excuse me. And for each line, you can, if you don't have it, if you have it, you can do that line too but it matches up with your profile. So as a three, it's resignation for me, right? So it's very important to be resigned to accept what is, it is what it is. That's, and we live on a third line plane. So everyone can benefit from that level of acceptance. You know, sometimes you hear resignation that has a negative connotation, but it's more of empowering in the sense of just surrendering and accepting what is when there's some things you just, it's not in your control and there's no one's blame or anyone to fall. And, and John, you need to be pragmatic. So when you got, you need to be pragmatic, you know, how do I deal with life? I need to be pragmatic. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you got to find that that's going to protect your spirit and you're a five. So we're talking about irony. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, we're talking about this too shall pass as a mantra. You know, you have to be able to laugh at life, see the irony in life, laugh at life to protect your spirit, especially you as a fifth line being, you know, that that's something that is so important. So, you know, I, I say it is what it is. You'll see me say it all the time on Facebook and stuff. It is what it is. And it's not just me saying it to say it. It's just, I truly believe it. I mean, I experience it. It's, um, I guess you can fake it till you make it, but I guess, you know, but it's really, it's really about taking that in. Now, it might not work as much with somebody who's just new or not really following their mechanics, their you know their strategy and authority, and living out their type. You know what's correct. He he kind of made that emphasis, and I could see where that can come into play. You can also do it on the body side and and do align it in in context of the body. Well, like I'm irony, so yeah. There's a big guy who's known for his mind. There's the irony. <laughs> <We're in> that <laughs> okay you know but it, it's something that can really be beneficial to protect one's spirit because we are in a world that's bombarded by all kinds of stuff and any little key or little keynote or little thing that's in the mechanics that you can bring to accentuate frees the mind and gives you know heals it 
heals the mind. That's what it's doing. Yeah. I just looked up my uh, the fourth line in there. It's burnout. It's a two four. Oh, so yeah, you got to kind of be on your body. You got to be careful, you know, on, on how you let out things in your body wise. Yeah. Yeah. And a I'm one is, uh, <laughs> that's what we were referring to earlier that. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta be mindful of that, especially, you know, for you. And, uh, one is, uh, what is the one again? One composure. Composure. Thank you. Yeah. Your body needs to be composed in a certain situation when you're being laughing at life, <laughs> you know, when you're dealing with your physical being composed is going to help your body more, you know, in that sense. And you're right environment, correct? Or left. I can't read this printout. No, you're left. Left. Well, even active, you can be composed. Yes. Like a ballerina. <laughs> ballerina <Yeah>. of life. <laughs> On this, this theme of uh, taking things so serious, I'm wondering how you're looking at the current world situation right now. And as we're moving closer to 2027 20, in the in the last seven year cycle, to me, it seems like there's this constant human orientation or, or, or drive towards basically controlling everything, controlling the environment, overcoming nature. We're going to be able to manipulate, control everything when history suggest otherwise. How do you see our current situation in light of what we've been talking about? Well, I mean, you see the breakdown of, of this uh, period of time uh, right now with, where the cross of planning is starting to break down. We also have two crosses, a cross of Maya also, but it doesn't always get expressed. And uh, But we're in a first line theme right now, uh, background frequency. So there's a rise in fundamentalism. You can see that everywhere. The, is the breakdown of institutions. So you can see that going on. We're going towards a more individualized background frequency uh, of the sixth line. There's going to be many role models for that. I don't see the world, you know, I see the world as staying not self. So anything that we're looking at, we're looking in the not self seven centered homogenized context for the most part. That's what's going to dominate the world. It's a not self emotional generator world or not self manifesting generator world or whatever that is. So I don't see, I don't see enlightened selfishness. I'm just see selfishness. Now that doesn't mean there might be pockets of people that can live correctly in a nine centered way. I, I could see that as something potentially happening. How long does that take? You know, what does this timeline look like and how much transition? Because things take time. The cross of planning people are going to be there until the day before someone's, if you know, whatever the last person is born with the cross of planning or whenever the old last person who dies is really the most relevant part, will hold that frequency. And that could be a hundred years or so where that still is part of the background frequency of, of holding this illusion in place. So, you know, I, I, I see more selfishness. I don't, see, and that's the gate that's coming in, 55-6. That spirit, you know, I, again, you we're dealing, you know, everyone likes to, you know, I say everyone, I shouldn't say everyone because that's improper. I said there's a great tendency, even in people in design or new design, and they look at the world, they see someone famous, they see somebody as, or a projector or, or somebody's doing good, and they assume that they're self. 
And I would surmise that just about everyone is not self. I mean, there would have to be some kind of serendipity and luck to be raised as self in a world of conditioning, especially as a projector, to be self. I don't see that as something there. I mean, they can have maybe jobs that have success, but are they, li- are they making mental decisions? Are they doing other things? That, are they in distraction? Are they in transference? Are they, you know, all these other ways of looking at the life. I don't see people living authentically after the shift unless they have some serendipity or they have the tools of like what human design can give because it it gives a way, a roadmap, you know, a a way of doing that. But again, it's one individual at a time. It's not like you can go on Oprah and blast this out and it's going to change everybody. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's why you've never seen anybody talking about human design on Oprah. That could have been a potential, but it's so far removed you know the idea no choice the idea of all the things the mechanics uh, all these things that are part of this uh, larger context to see the mechanics in because people get lost on the surface and they limit themselves to the surface without putting the context of the surface in there and then you don't you got to always go back to the surface because that's where life is lived but it's in the context of the bigger uh, picture framework uh, that's the way I look at it. You got to, you know, you have to understand there is a program. There is weather, daily weather. There is the Godheads. There, you know, there are, you know, there are ways of you being conditioned in transorc forms that like, are Penta and Moi, uh, that two people create a third person. And that entity needs to be um, respected as much as the two individuals need to be respected. Right. So this is, this is like very freakish stuff. Right, Amy, we're we're yep. freaks. Yep. Right? Yep. Wave a freak flag. And you know that certain audiences you look like a genius and others that you look like a freak. You can. It's the, the, the two sides of the coin. I mean, I have hope for certain people within the context of the population that are gonna live correctly and have you know not be bogged down by seven centered survival, us versus them, survival of the fittest. Uh, winners and losers. That's all seven centered stuff. And there are people in the world, very prominent people who exude that. And for me, I'm a personal view. So my distractions power. My bugaboo is politics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can get dragged into that movie. That's what I call it. I get dragged into the movie when I, when I go into distraction or transference. It's like I'm getting pulled in and I lost my ability to see myself within the movie in a way, or losing myself to this distracted view of politics and seeing winners and losers and judging people, you know, condemning them. Yes. You know, if I was not self, man, I'd, I'd have a field day in this world because I can go to depth and context and write out all kinds of really things to point out how stupid people are. But that's not me. That's not self me. And I think that's why I go back to distraction and transference is very important for anyone, especially a projector to really know, because what are, what are they viewing their life through? What lens? Is that formulating what outer authority? Their not self outer authority of their not self mind or what they're really speaking their truth or authenticity. In my authenticity is speaking about this stuff that personally is what, moves me 
you know, I have the 4323 as my notes in the sixth line, sixth color, second tone. There's an uncertainty about what's coming, but it's, you know, it's all that sixes. I have eight, six lines. So I also, it's like, it's my most of any line. So I, and I'm a six, two Chiron, uh, cross of the clarion. Yeah. So it's like mm. that six has got to be up here looking around and I'm a mountain view person. So, yes. you know, it's like, all right, I see all you guys down here. I can't get into the muck. You know, if I go down into the movie, that's where I get lost. Yeah. Yeah. So when I look at the world, I just see, Oh, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing that. And when I'm seeing this and that's and not condemning anyone and judging anyone as winners and losers, mm-hmm. then that's how I can see and view the world. So everyone has that view. Yeah, that's beautiful, Mark. I really appreciate you being able to articulate that like that because it's, I, I can feel it just as you're explaining it, how it's very visceral the way you're talking about it. it doesn't, there's so much in human design that can just sound like words on a page. But when yeah. you really, when you really start to see it, when you really break through the shadows and confusion of the mind and you just, like you're saying, just see it for what it is. You can feel what all of this actually means. And uh, I can just really feel that through, through what you're sharing. Oh, thanks. I, I, you know, and I do see it as a movie. I really do. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, this is not, this is not just <laughs> me saying it's a movie and mimicking something raw mentioned or something. This is what I'm seeing. Cause I, that's, it's, it's like a projected, you know, I guess we open our eyes and we create our own, create our own portion of the Maya, you know, our, our contribution to holding this illusion together. But that's what I really see. And I, you know, and I, and, and that's why when I, and I'm closing my eyes again now, cause I'm going deeper and cause that's why, I, you know, I, I see on an individual level, there's hope, you know, yeah. I'm a hope person, but I see it on an individual level. Mm-hmm. I don't see it in a necessarily a tribal level or a collective level, or for the most part, most of individuals, I just, the, the, the Maya is so dense. Yes. It's so mm-hmm. visceral of mm-hmm. oozing, not self. You know, it's like the Matrix when the guy, Agent Smith's like, I can just smell it. I can taste it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's like that. I don't think it's bad. Like he did wanting it out. No, it's like, all right, it is what it is. It's just, you got to accept it. See for what it is. There's no blame. Hey, when I get sucked in a movie, I get sucked in a movie. I remember one time my other half said, you know, you're being not self. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a little more not self for another minute or two. I'm enjoying this. For a <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I'm like, give me a couple of minutes. Cause then I'll, you know, not like you can do anything about it too. So, you know, it's like, but you can laugh at yourself. It's like, you know, yes. yeah, you're right. You got a good point there. I am being not self in this moment. You can't escape yeah. it. It's just, again, it's how much part of your day do you want to be not self versus self? day week month year you know years you know you can't escape the not self it's always there the petty tyrant is always waiting to suck you back in or an environment or a person can pull you into some kind of thing that's why it's important to laugh too because it's like you have no control over that i mean you just see it for what it is i think that's i think that's the key to human design it's just awareness it's the ability to see uh, the life, life itself. Uh, I think that's the best gift that it has to offer. Because I think the mechanics and the, the life unfolds as it unfolds. But to free the mind of all that 
pain and suffering. That's the gift. That, I mean, that's the gift. I mean, the laugh of myself when I know that I'm like getting sucked into politics. Oh, Jesus, here I'm getting, and you can feel it though. You can feel it in your body, right? You can, yeah. Whatever your distraction is, whatever it is, your not self is, you can feel it. it it's, it just permeates. Mm -hmm. It's so visceral, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Right, John? I mean, you, you work with your body a lot. Of, you can, you know, you just, by the way, I like I like the idea of a keto though, because you use another person's energy against them. So Yes. Uh, <laughs> and actually did my son some books on that back in the day. And Jeet Kung Do was one of his favorite books back in the day, also with uh, Bruce Lee. I said, if you ever get it's funny, he's not really got into MMA, but he's it's so not him. It, mm -hmm. it you know, he was really gung ho in his teens and stuff like that. And it's like it's so not him. It's so it's it's amazing to watch his transformation. I mean, if nothing else I do in this world, having seen my son get to where he is mentally and physically and how he understands himself, if I did nothing else in his life and I got that as soon as we hit this call and maybe even watch it, I would feel life was success just from that because you could see it. You know, I don't live with him. I don't. But I talk to him a lot and I see him every now and then. But to see and talk about these things and how it's impacted his life and how other people see it has impacted his life, getting that, that's what's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just following his gut, because that was important. And, and there's some people think that just strategy and authorities are him understanding like he's a cave person, that he needs security, and that was important for him because he always felt it, and understanding why he needed that security to be creative. He's very creative, very into integration. He's across attention. We're born six. Actually, tomorrow's my birthday. Tomorrow's his half birthday. He's oh. born January 3rd. We're both cross attention. Just flip the, uh, the the planets there. But he has gate 38 six times and 39 three times. Both his nodes and his sun, uh, sun earth on the personality wow. side. And then a couple more 38s. But, um, and he's integration too with a, the 1057 uh, uh, and the 3457, and he has the 3254. I just love seeing that. So I know it works. I see the, you know, on a day, on a regular basis, as opposed to clients, like my colon back, and you, know, you get moments of progress here and there you could see, but having someone you could see it evolve in that intimately is amazing to watch yeah. the transformation in the mind. The way they look at life, the relaxedness, you know, giving them the tools to see how to, to see the life, to see the way it looks. That's the gift. I mean, I, I to me, other people can have their own. There's lots of gifts, I'd say. But, you know, and that's and that's where I am in my process now that I can say that. You know, I've been doing this 14 plus over 14 and a half years. So yeah. I, I don't know if you would ask me that in year one, two, three, that, right. you know, I'd have the same answers. <laughs> yep. Yep. But I, that's what's such a gift about sitting with people who've been hanging with it for a while. Cause at yeah. some point you, you just have to laugh. It's, it's such a trip and that's harder to do. I think in the beginning, when we come in with all the things we think are problems and all the things that we do actually suffer with and are having a really hard time with and the, the mess of what we've gotten ourselves into. And so it is, it is very serious, I think in the beginning, but so it's, that's, that's a certain quality of presence that I find in 
um, most people who've really been working this and digesting it and living it for a long time, there's a quality of presence that all carries that thread of a certain kind of just humor and acceptance about life, which is like such a relief in this world that is so driven to so much craziness. So I, I, I... found it really sweet. I don't know if you still have bouts of your mind saying certain stupid stuff. Oh, of course. But, yeah. it, but then I recognize it for what it is. And it, and it doesn't last as long. It's not, yeah. it doesn't happen as frequently. It's, you know, uh, the magnitude of it is not as bad. Yeah, everything's yeah. minimalized in that yeah. sense. So when it does happen, you just, oh, that's what that is. Oh, you know, yeah. you, you know, you can identify it. Oh, that's that. You know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're cute. I call yeah, mine the crazy. I call mine the crazy lady in the attic. I'm like, yeah. oh, there she is again. There's a crazy there lady go. in the attic. So you gave there it some kind of. I haven't named mine, but <laughs> probably should. I mean, yeah. you know, my son got a good name from there, but I got to figure one out. I don't know. Don, you have a name for your? Uh... Yeah, I, I used to refer to it as the trash dump with my the open dump, <laughs> which is not very positive or. <laughs> But, but does Oscar the Grouch live in there occasionally? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's pretty bitter too. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. I, it, it's so it's such a trip though. I mean, because life is so serious, and you get around all the seriousness of life. It, it, if you don't have these tools, I mean, you do get dragged in a movie, and then the movie beats you over the head, and you become furniture. Right. Is what I would like to say. People don't understand that this just means you're not living your life, the story. You don't have that role and you're just, you know, your background, uh, your background stuff, filler. Background um, object in a horror movie. Yeah. I think people, you know, again, I'll go back to understanding that this is a process. And you see a lot of new people on human design and they like to fight certain things about it. And we all did when we're new because we, you know, we had beliefs that we had that things that should be, you know, I always had a very mundane that had a very spiritual metaphysical background. And then I got into human design and, you know, I was the theist to the anti-theist, you know? So for me, you know, there's a lot of, I did a course of miracles. I did, you know, did a lot of energy work, a lot of train, all kinds of stuff. But it's funny to see the progression to where now it's like, I, I don't even like all this spiritual talk. It's like, you know, it's another homogenized, form of communication mystical spiritual talk Mm -hmm. i just like talk and and it's funny because and and people bring that you can you can feel it and it's not no one's to blame it you can feel when people do that and that's just part of it and then some people fight the the information resist the change and uh fight back and some people as time goes by they they see where they were fighting it and other people go a different direction and they mm-hmm. don't fall through and, and design's not for them. And there's no bad or good in that. It just, it is what it is. You know, there's no blame in this. That's the, yeah. that's the beauty of the system of the, of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, you ever watch that? What was that criminal minds show? Uh, you ever see that the FBI profilers? Mm-mm. Well, it's like they follow the, they hunt down the worst murderers in the world, you know, like serial killers. And, and I always said, you know, what made a serial killer a serial killer? They don't even know what they're doing. They have no control over what they're doing. It's not like they're, it's right. like an impulse. It's like something that's part of them. Yeah. So it doesn't excuse their behavior or what they did in that sense. But you can empathize and say, 
you know, what drove this person to that point to where they're needing that? What conditioning happened? And then you blame the parent. Well, how about that parent's parent and that parent's parent and that parent's parent? And it's like, we're just dealing with layers of conditioning. And I think that's what this uh, system allows, but it takes time, it takes time. And before you know it, you're 14 years in when you were like in the beginning going seven years, no freaking way. I'm going to do this in a year and a half. <laughs> oh, my theta healing. Because I thought it was a belief, you know, first, maybe it's a belief system. You know, I'll believe it away, but it's not a belief system. It's, it's the mechanics are there, right. whether one believes it or not. At least that's my truth. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It's been really fun to get to hear your perspective and um, just resonate with and relate to so much of what you had to say. Thank you for having so, me. So nice to get to hear it from the outside. Well, thank you for <laughs> here. Yeah, and, that, and that's another thing. You get Things get lost, like you said, in like writing words in Facebook. It's a little different than expressing them, articulating them outwardly. So I, I appreciate it. I, I really thank you both. Uh, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Again, anytime I get a chance to exchange like this, it's a success. You know, that's what I feel. That's what I feel. You know, and me right now, I feel success and I have more hope about life. You know what I mean? I don't know, John, that's that's, that's what it gives to me. That sense is there. And then that you can ride that wave and, you know, you can, well, you're not emotional, but we can ride that wave of, of that frequency for a while, for, for however long, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel.